Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. Whether you're listening to us on YouTube, on iTunes or SoundCloud, pleased to have your company this evening. I've got with me Logan. Uh, good evening everybody, Alex. And I've also got Dan. Hey guys. And it's a very special episode, it's our 50th episode. Um, we fired up the podcast just over a year and a half ago, back last time we were in the championship, so a lot's changed since the... Uh, the first episode, and we'll, we'll get into some memories um, in a little bit, but we'll start with the uh, the more upsetting part of the uh, the episode, and that's the the defeat to Bristol City on the weekend. And, and it's a familiar story, Dan. It's been a number of games now where we've conceded late goals, and in this case, it was three late goals uh, after a pretty dominating two 0 lead and a pretty comprehensive performance to that point. So, uh, what did you make of the the turnaround, the reversal of fortunes in the game? Oh, it's it's very sadly becoming a familiar story. Um, I think I was reading somewhere it's like we've eight games or something this season yeah. that we've dropped dropped goals after the eighty eightieth or eighty fifth minute or something, and they've and it's cost us like uh, points in all but I think two of the games or something. Like it's just it's it's very frustrating to watch and there's a various aspects that i just like i'm not understanding like because we've got guys that are going away you got like seb larson and jackson irvine and david myler who like all went away and were and grisitsky all going away performing very well every time they have international breaks and then we go i i see that and i go cool we're all going to come back everyone's in a good mood we've been doing well they're going to come back and we're going to get put some results on the board and then they go away and they play really well for their country and then they come back into the setup and it doesn't seem to just ever be falling together for 90 minutes at, at club level. Yeah, and there, I, just, there just seems to be something yeah. that we can't really put our finger on because as you're saying, I mean, all of the individual players seem to be good players. Um, they go away, they play well, but then as a team, Logan, they just they just aren't performing. Uh, without a doubt, the the goals that we've been chipping, uh, to be very brutally honest, in the last few weeks have been some of the worst defending I think I've I've seen uh, in in my time certainly watching City, um, and just the the inability to to clear the ball. I think that uh, we're probably starting to realise what we're missing um, when the form of when we had Maguire and we had Davies. I think we always kind of felt that that central defence uh, position, even when Alex Bruce would would go in and do a job, and Michael Dawson, uh, a younger Michael Dawson. Uh, they were very reliable, and I think that now uh, we're really starting to see the fruits of having a kind of low-knee defensive backline, if you will, um, and a very young one at that. Uh, it just seems to be shipping goals, and uh, as as we mentioned in, on previous podcasts, is the attack doesn't seem to be the problem. I mean, we've got Jared Bowen, who as we've, he seems to be the only real uh, shining light in pretty much everything we talk about when City-related these days, is, is scoring for fun up the other end, and Fraser Campbell's chipped in. Um, we're really starting to see some, some really promising goal-scoring efforts, um, particularly by individuals. Um, all this on the back of losing Abel Hernandez, uh, and we're still obviously dropping those points that, that Dan mentioned. And uh, I think the stat that I saw actually pitched us at sixth in the championship if we hadn't have uh, lost those points from winning positions. So uh, when, you, when you put the, the facts down and you, and you look at it like that, uh, it's been very concerning times to, to see where we find ourselves. Um, and, and the climate of the club. 
Yeah, and, and Dan Logan's just mentioned there the bright spot, I guess, in the match again was Jared Bowen getting his tenth goal for the season, and it's pretty remarkable to have a winger scoring ten goals at this stage of the season. Yeah, he has been. I mean, I think early in the this before this season, in the, one of the early couple of rounds, maybe, or in the preview for the season, I'm pretty sure I picked him as a player to watch for us this year. Um, and hasn't hasn't he delivered? I mean, yeah. he's been outstanding. He's been outstanding, and he, as Logan said, he has been one of the few shining lights um, for us. Probably um, a resurgent McGregor is probably the only other player you could um, pick out as a performing well regularly. Um, but yeah, Bowen has been just just a revelation. Although I suppose we we could all see that he had the potential. He just needed to. Um, to get that run of games and and is I always felt that if you could start if you could get a goal then more would come and and they have well yeah I remember there was the game against Spurs on the final day of last season where Silva threw him in gave him a start I think and he had that really uh, good chance against Spurs to get a goal and, and just missed it and and you thought at the time perhaps that might have dented his confidence, but it certainly hasn't with the way he's been playing so far this season. Uh, I guess the only worry being coming up to the January window, whether or not we'll keep hold of him beyond that window. Um, Logan, do you see any risk that he might be off in January? And if so, do you think uh, it'll be a championship rival or, or an even higher club that comes calling for him? Uh, with with the fragilities that we're experiencing at, at City at the moment, of course it's a real possibility that, that somebody could come in um, and and sweep for him. Uh, I, I would probably suggest if, if it were to be a, a third party that came in looking for him, uh, I'd suggest it would probably be someone at the kind of higher end of the championship, um, particularly um, maybe Aston Villa. In I know that it's been mentioned that uh, that Bruce uh, would, would probably or certainly be eyeing him. I think from memory his dad might even be a, a Villa fan. Um, and when you look at things like that, I think that that would be the kind of club that would be the the real risk. Um, whether a Premier League team would come in and, and take a punt on him yet um, would is probably a little bit early. Uh, in saying that, I could certainly see him uh, making an impact on uh, one of those relegation fight uh, teams if they were to, to to take a punt on him, particularly with the form he's in. Um, but the, I think to answer the question, uh, with with the way that the Alums are, are running the ship, I. I think that he's seen as an asset, and like everything else, if the way that unfortunately most fans, and I guess we're almost resigned to the fact that we are being asset stripped, um, he would be one of the greatest assets that we have to offer. So it's certainly within the realms of possibility that he will uh, he will be off in January. Um, someone that we suspected would be off this week, but hasn't been the case, was Leonard Slutsky, who uh, after the Millwall game, there was rumours that Ehab had been in attendance, that he was... Uh, basically going to be giving uh, Slutsky his last rights after that game. And he, he sort of held on for the Bristol City game, and there was a lot of anticipation that this was sort of the game to save his job. We went up 2-0. Bowen goes over and celebrates with, with Slutsky, and you think, well, all the players are behind him. And then they capitulate, and we lose 3-2. Um, so, Dan, are you surprised that he's still in the job at the moment? And, and it sounds as if he's expecting to still be in charge for the Wednesday game. Um, honestly, yeah, I... No, not that I don't want. To, I don't necessarily want to see him go. I've, I, but I think like if you look at it purely based on results, and I mean where we expected us to to sit, and obviously the Alums had their own expectations of where they thought the squad would find themselves come the end of the season, or you know at 
come this point in the season where obviously Slutsky and the players are well below everyone's expectations um, in that regard. And I think um, he must be under, and it, sh- and it shows in his last couple of um, presses after the post-matches, that he's under enormous um, stress at the moment. And uh, he's not his usual uh, happy-go-lucky sort of um, character. But, yeah, I, I'm i a little bit... I mean, uh, you sort of... I mean, what's it? Six games without a win now, I think. And, yep. uh, you know, you start... It's at this point in the season and with how we've gone so far, you know, that run, obviously, it, it really can't sort of go on much longer and... And he without him expecting to, uh, you know, possibly to probably depart. Logan, what are your thoughts? Are you sort of, I mean, I guess it's very easy to be pro Slutsky because he's a very likable guy and he came in with such a, you know, uh, breath of fresh air and a lot of energy and enthusiasm. But the results speak for themselves in a lot of ways. I, I would probably say that I'm like Dan, not wanting him to go, uh, even just from the point of view that I don't know who we could get who'd actually do better. Uh, but what's your take on it? Do you think he he should be sacked after this sort of run of results? And are you a bit more a bit surprised that he's still in the job? I tend to agree with you exactly in the sense that I don't think we want him to go. I think he is even in his short time at the KCOM, he's certainly um, endeared himself to the fans as, as somewhat of a fan favourite, and he is a very likable guy. And as we said before, that the scoring goals uh, he has brought a, a very promising attack mentality. Two city that uh, is kind of resulting in good, good team goals and a lot of individual scorers. Um, I, I think that the the problem for me lies with a, a lot of the comments that he has been saying in his presser that, that Dan said. I mean, all you have to do is watch social media to see the comments of Grzycki and um, and Fraser Campbell and players like that that are coming out and and saying that they don't know. Uh, what to say to fans, they can't explain it, we have to do better. Um, there just seems to be a, a whole lot of direction lost or there's a, rather than no direction. And and these guys, the, the playing group themselves, uh, can't kind of seem to find the answers as to why they're shipping these goals and why they're losing from all these winning positions. And I don't think that for all of the positive things Slutsky provides, I don't think he instills them with that confidence um, and that kind of mental strength that, that is required to, to compete in this division. So... I think that the writing is on the wall, and I think it's inevitable that um, whilst he might be in charge of the Wednesday game, uh, pending a very promising result, I think he will be off. Um, I won't be too sad to see him go if that be the case, but as you mentioned, um, it can be very careful what we wish for in the sense that who will come and take a club that is on the brink of a a double relegation and and seems to be struggling with every performance. Absolutely, and it was was a pretty unhappy result against Bristol City overall, and... uh, Hopefully we can get better against Wednesday, and we'll we'll talk about that game in a moment. But we'll we'll talk about happier memories uh, just for now. And we'll, we, we I said at the start of the episode that we began the podcast back in February of 2016, which was a season where we were chasing promotion to the Premier League under Steve Bruce. It was happier times for the club in a lot of ways. Uh, and I guess I wanted to to raise with you guys sort of your happiest memories from then until now, because we have had a lot of highs, um, even discounting um, events that happened before then, you know, the FA Cup final, Europe, etc. you still got the, the playoff final, we've got the League Cup semi-final, making history as the first club to defeat a reigning champion on the opening day of the season. Uh, there's a lot of really positive memories that we've got in that last year and a half. Uh, so I'll start with you, Logan. What's your favourite memory, I guess, from, from that 
18 months. Strangely, the um, the one that sticks out to me uh, the most would would by far and away be the three 0 uh, victory in the first leg of the playoffs against Derby. Okay. Um, I, I know that there has been more um, monumentous occasions, but I think that at the time, um, the way we kind of limped into the playoffs and um, and and the way that Derby were playing, I, I couldn't find it feasible that we could have even stood a chance and to to go there and, and score three goals in the fashion that we did, um, particularly when Andy Robertson scored very late in the piece. Um, I just remember the momentum and the feeling around the club at the time um, that really kind of showed me that I thought we were going to get promoted again. And, and that moment, yeah, is, is obviously very fond one. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great game because uh, obviously Hernandez scoring the opening goal with a brilliant long-range strike and then Odebajo essentially scoring the goal, but I think it took a couple of deflections on the way in. It just seemed that sort of game where it was destiny for us to win the game in the sense that everything just seemed to go right for us. Yeah, certainly. And I think that also the fact that that kind of gave us that spark at the at the right time of the season, given the fact that we were on the other side of a form slump, um, it really kind of restored the, the playing group. And um, yeah, we, we all know what happened after that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Dan, what was your favourite memory? Um, I'm, I liked the, uh, the, the win over, over Leicester at the, to start last season. That was, um, that was pretty special considering, I mean, we went in with probably an, as equally, uh, disrupted, uh, if not more disrupted, uh, preseason into that Premier League season last seat last year. Um, and to, you know, come out against the reigning, reigning champions with who, you know, were getting, their individual players were all getting their various accolades and, you know, Jamie Vardy and the had scored in whatever, 12 straight games in the season before. And, you know, all the, everything that was going on and no one gave us any hope of pretty, I don't think anyone at that point in, with what had happened had tipped us to win. A, like basically no one would have picked us to win a game at all, all year. I don't think. Um, and we came out and, and we played them off the park on the day. It was it was good. And the double bicycle <laughs> kick was a pretty fantastic way to open up scoring as well. I mean, it's I don't think yeah. I've seen a more unusual goal than that. No, yeah, that was uh, was interesting. That was um, Dio and Hernandez both went up for that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it was crazy because as you say, I mean, Bruce basically walked out middle of July, so we didn't have a manager. Uh, Twelve fit players, I think, to start the season. We had one player on the bench, which I think was Maloney but we didn't make any subs in that game. I think we went the first couple of games without making a sub and without changing the lineup. Um, mm. And I think it set or equaled some Premier League record, I think, in the process. And obviously having Phelan, we you know, tried to sound out a couple of managers. So yeah, it was a remarkable victory in, in the circumstances and, and certainly one that, uh, that we won't forget in a hurry, especially with the way that... Uh, the team's fortunes are going at the moment and, and I'll split the middle and, and go with the playoff final because like Logan with the Derby win, it, it seemed the sort of game. I, I remember talking on the podcast going into it, that we were the favorites going in, which is always to spell trouble as a city fan, because whenever we're expected to do anything, we inevitably cock it up. Um, and it was a strange feeling watching that game because we were dominating them in a number of senses and we had the superior squad, the superior players and it was almost expected that we were going to win, which is a very unusual feeling. Uh, and then Diami pops up with, with an absolute screamer of a winner, a, a, a goal worthy of sell- settling many games. Um, and we just seem to have that knack at Wembley of scoring a pretty incredible goal. Snowbox. 
Now Diame. Oh, Diame! A diamond of a goal from Mohamed Diame. 20 minutes to play in the playoff final. And Hull City hit the front. Uh, and so now we'll talk about that Sheffield Wednesday game. We've just heard the Mo Diame screamer goal at Wembley that we've just been talking about uh, and we'll look ahead now to the weekend where we play Sheffield Wednesday so it's a pretty big game for both teams because we're both struggling down the wrong end of the table at the moment uh, and I'll start with you Logan I guess uh, we've already talked about the Wembley game are there any other Sheffield Wednesday games that stick in your memory I know I know we had that pretty incredible win uh, under Phil Brown I think it was where Nick Barnby scored a couple of goals uh, in a, I think it was a 4-1 win uh, at Sheffield Wednesday. It might have been 4-2 win at Sheffield Wednesday. But were there any other games that stick in the memory? Uh, not particularly. I think that, as you mentioned, obviously, with the, the Army Screamer, I don't think that uh, any any other fond memory may have been erased by the, the magnitude of that one uh, when we when we think Wednesday. But, um, yeah, it's certainly a club that I think we've enjoyed uh, a, a lot of um, joy against. The, the one other fond memory that I do have against Wednesday was actually a game that, that I attended uh, when the Yak, who was uh, somewhat dividing um, the, the fans at the time, um, took the took the dive and uh, at, the, at the ground. And I think at the time we were second and uh, and Chef Wednesday was second last and uh, they turned up to, to the KCOM and, uh, and really kind of rattled us. Um, I think we scored a... A goal that equalised it uh, um, maybe in the 80th minute and, oh, and had absolute momentum. And then uh, they scored two late goals and ended up winning 3-1 um, against the runner play and kind of shocked um, shocked all of us in the process. So that game stands out fondly. And I just remember the uh, the, the crowd uh, the crowd at the down at the the East stand really getting stuck into the Wednesday fans and a lot of people trying to get across and, and fight. And it was a very colourful um, a colourful event, but a great game to be at. Um, uh, despite the the unfortunate result, I think that was Oxley's one and only appearance for the whole city was in <clears throat> in that game coming off the bench. And yeah, I think it was that late that late counter attack that they had, uh, which really kind of unstuck us in that one. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about that one. Uh, Dan, did you have any other memories of Sheffield Wednesday heading into this game? Uh, even if I did, uh, your wonderful uh, recap of the playoff final sort of pushed them all to the side. So. <laughs> Um, but the, that 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 playoff game was um was just was it was one to watch and I remember sitting up and watching it and I remember um was Westwood was Westwood in goals for them yeah and made like a ridiculous amount of like yeah. saves I thought like we should, probably should have won that about six one or something and he just kept pulling them off it was, yeah it was it was intense for a long periods of that game <laughs> well hopefully this one's a little less intense and a little uh easier uh, in the margins in our victory, but it, it certainly promises to be a pretty tough fixture with both sides struggling for a bit of form at the moment and uh, and the Sheffield Wednesday manager, Carver Hull, under a bit of pressure as well. So a lot riding up for both managers. Um, I'll start with you, Dan. Um, what's your take on the game? Who, who, do you see uh, Sutsky making any changes to the lineup, and, and how do you see us going? Um, I think, I think Slutsky is... I don't think he'll make too many changes, just probably the one or two that he seems to be making all the time. <laughs> you know, he's he doesn't he hasn't we haven't quite got a somehow still don't have a like clear best 11, which is very frustrating because I f- honestly believe if if we had if Slotsky had picked it could just pick a best 11 and that was the team that he was just going to put out 
each week, then probably we'd be in a not probably not hugely different, but I think there'd be a couple of games that we probably would have picked up points in. Um, so I think he'll make a couple of changes because that's what he seems to want to do. <laughs> um, but oh, look, I think honestly, I think our def- our defenses will our defense will come unstuck at some point throughout the match. I just hope that our offense fires enough to counteract it. Uh, and Logan, what do you think? I mean, Dawson obviously missed with illness last week and Mazuk came in. Didn't look too bad, I didn't think, but um, with the late capitulation, you can't really uh, put too much credit on the defensive performances. Do you see Dawson coming back into the lineup? And, and how do you see us performing in this one? Surely we can't lose another late uh, late winner or equaliser. I think that will be a wise decision for uh, Slutsky to recall Dawson, um, given the fact that he is experienced and, as you mentioned, the uh, capitulation against Bristol. I certainly can see that change being made. Um, I also must say that I've been extremely unimpressed with Dawson this year. I think that yeah. he is just um, that, that little bit past it now. Um, I still think that he's a, a very important and vital squad player, um, particularly if we are to fix the, the current culture uh, zapping feel that seems to be generating around the place, um, mostly due to the Allen family and the off-field drama. Uh, but I think that he could be somewhat of a stabilising influence, um, particularly given what happened last week. Um, I, I have grave fears for this game, but I think that, as, as Dan said, I think we will certainly concede at some point. Uh, but I do also back the ability in our attack to find a way to, to score a couple. I'm tipping probably a one-all draw. I saw an interesting comment in the group this week. Uh, I don't know how serious it was that perhaps if uh, if Slutsky is sacked that we could get Dawson in as a player manager. What would you make of that, Logan? I, I don't think that he's ready. I think that as far as Michael Dawson's concerned, I think that he would certainly uh, consider himself as having at least another season left in him or finish this season and potentially one more. Um, to, to throw him in uh, the deep end, so to speak, um, given that player manager role, I just don't think at the moment it would be the right decision for either him or, or certainly not the club, uh, given he's untried. And I, I really think that for, for all the all the problems that we're experiencing at the moment, uh, we do need someone of experience and a bit a bit of guile who uh, know what it takes to kind of um, navigate through this division and to be able to restore the confidence in players. And I just don't think that Michael Dawson, given the fact that he has no managerial experience, is ready for that just yet. Uh, I think it'll be interesting as well for this game. Uh, obviously, Slutsky playing two up top away to Millwall last time out, which was um, pretty interesting considering he then reverted to the one up top against Bristol City at home, when that's almost counterintuitive when you think you'd go more attacking at home and a bit more defensive away. So it'll be interesting to see if he if he does go for that again and, and brings in Campbell and Dicko at the start of the game um, to really sort of put the pressure on Wednesday. I, I think that's where the the element that I'm most interested in seeing and then obviously seeing if Dawson comes back in in defence because uh, I quite like Mazouk and I think he's probably been a bit unfortunate not to get more chances so far this season. I think he's probably looked better than Hector which is really strange to say because Hector started the season looking great and he's just completely fallen off a cliff form-wise. Um, I really I don't know what's happened to him. I remember after the first handful of games thinking, you know, we should go out and sign him on a permanent because he just... He, he looked great just sort of spraying the ball around and, and really setting up a lot of attacking plays. But 
uh, I think those are the two elements that will be the most interesting to look forward to. And then obviously as well, uh, whether Grzycki starts, because it just seems as if every every so often there's a bit of a, um, a, a dip in Grzycki's form or confidence and he, he finds himself on the bench. So um, we definitely would prefer to see him in the lineup and uh, him in fit and firing always is a much better option to have on the field than on the bench. Uh, especially when we just don't seem to have many other natural wide players. I mean, we've got Bowen, who I think might have started on the left against Bristol City and uh, and a Henriksen or um, even um, Irvine, I think, might have started on the other wing. But uh, it's not very natural having those central midfield players out wide. And I think if we are to strengthen at all in January, which I don't know how likely that is, I think we just need more wide players, which Silver identified last January and we really still haven't rectified. We just went out and bought more central midfielders. Um, so that, that it'll all be quite interesting to see how that pans out. Um, Dan, what's your prediction for the scoreline in this one? Oh, God. Uh, oh, I want to be confident, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to lose 2-1. And Logan, you're going with 1-1? Yeah, I'm going to stick with 1-1. I think there may be more goals in it, if anything, but um, sadly, I think if there are, it'll probably be uh, from the hours and uh, and sadly not from, from Mighty Hull. Yeah, I, I, I tend to lean towards Dan's... Uh, I feel really frustrated because last week on the podcast with Brad, I was sitting there saying we're going to win two or three nil, and we almost we almost proved me correct with the two nil lead and uh, coughed that up. So I can't be too confident two x in a row. So unfortunately, I predict a loss, but hopefully it's uh, not the case, and we can get a pretty decent win to to talk about next week. So thank you, boys, for coming on. Uh, no problem. No worries. Was my pleasure. And thank you everyone for listening in uh, for our fiftieth episode. It's uh, pretty incredible to get to this point 50 episodes going strong and uh only going from strength to strength so uh yeah i encourage everyone to share the podcast around like it comment you know get the word out there and get everyone listening because it's great to always see more people listening and engaging and and really enjoying listening to what we've got to say so until next time come on city you've been listening to the official whole city australia podcast For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black.